Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello and welcome. My name is Anna McKenzie and I'm a Yale College undergraduate and events intern with the Yale Sustainable Food Project. Here with us today is John Baricelli, chef and owner of Sono Bakery in South Norwalk, Connecticut. Welcome, John. Thank you. John has written two cookbooks, the Sono Bacon Company Cookbook, The Best Sweet and Savory Recipes for Every Occasion, and The Seasonal Baker, Easy Recipes from My Home Kitchen to Make Year-Round. Can you talk a little bit about the process you went through to create these cookbooks and compile recipes? Where did you find your inspiration? Well, you know, I, I wrote books when I worked for Martha Stewart. Well, I should say I worked on books uh, when I worked at Martha Stewart. So it was always fascinating to see um, the start and the finish of a project, um, the photography, the uh, recipe development. And so that's really where I got my desire to put out a book. Um, my books were, uh, I say books because I'm trying to do a third book now, which would be mostly savory stuff, which we also do at the bakery. But my first two books were basically some from the bakery and some, and, and the second book is more stuff that I, I like to do at home. And so when I took all of my master recipes, I have thousands and thousands of, you know, clippings and, and cutouts and stuff. I just compiled them and I, I broke them down into seasonal and I break them down into, you know, fruits and nuts. And, you know, you just keep subdividing. And then you basically come up with a themed um uh, a themed book where you can actually say, well, okay, here's the, you know, the four seasons and, you know, what to do with fruits and what to do with this. Um, it's, a, it's a long process. People don't realize that it probably takes about two and a half years from start to finish uh, until the book actually comes out. So um, uh, people ask me about my books and I feel like it, they're so old already and yet they've just, uh, they're just out four months now. Can you talk a little bit about your work with Martha Stewart? Sure. Um, I was hired as um, as a chef to cook for the television crew, which was about 120 people. Um, and then I quickly um, was moved over to the uh, book division and magazine. So I was um, working up in Connecticut, and then I got transferred down to New York City. I was working on books, magazines, um, any of her uh, retail products that needed recipes to go with them, developing, testing, um, working on her books, um, and then I got the opportunity to come back to television as talent uh, on Everyday Food and um, the Everyday Food magazine and both uh, and, and the television show. And that's really how my television career began. And um, uh, from start to finish, I think I was there about 12 years, a long time. It seems as though there are strains of your family throughout your cookbooks. Can you speak a little bit about that? Strains? <laughs> in what way? <laughs> it just it just seems um, as if, I mean, the seasonal baker, easy recipes from my home kitchen to make year round, um, and other aspects of your family in terms of your career that may have made it into your cookbooks. Oh, well, I think I always stress that, um, you know, I, I always miss family events. I miss um, birthdays because I'm always working and stuff. It, in my books, I was trying to be very honest with um, uh, with the family life and how uh, sometimes it's easy to cook at home with my, my kids and sometimes it's just you're never at home to cook with the kids. So um, I think that the books are, are very 
true in the sense that um, if we could do that recipe in that book in a certain amount of time, we we ex- we we think that anybody that picks up that book can actually do a recipe. Um, we we don't think that the recipes are very challenging. We think they're very true. Minimal equipment, best ingredients, seasonal. Um, so in that aspect, I think that um, our, our books are very honest and 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 true to form. What aspects um, of family do you think play a part in the modern food mo- food movement today? Well, you know, it's funny. I I think what I try to do with my family or um, with my kids when they're over and um, when I'm home with is try to get them to participate in the kitchen, whether it's peeling a carrot or it's so hard to get a a family to sit down together. Um, I know that when I grew up, I sat down. I had seven brothers, uh, not that they were all home at the same time, but at least five or six of them plus my parents, we all sat down and had dinner together. When, when I hear that people eat on the go and they're having dinner on the go and two of the parents are, you know, there's a babysitter there feeding the kids dinner, it, it's really kind of depressing in a way. I, I really feel that um, what we need to do about cooking and um, eating in general, it's, it's such a big part of our lives now uh, with all these cooking shows and stuff. We need to get everybody back into the kitchen and, and, and working together, whether it's for, you know, and I always say this, it's like 15 minutes of prep, probably a half hour of cooking, five minutes of eating, and another half hour of cleaning up, you know, like Thanksgiving dinner. I, I always use that as an example. It's like three days of preparation, shopping, and it's over in an hour. You really sit down for about an hour and enjoy your meal. And then, you know, the prep time and the cleanup time is always far greater. You've got to kind of reverse that a little and see if you can actually sit down with your family and, and, and friends and, and, and sit down at the table and, and eat for a longer period of time. Yeah, definitely. What was your favorite recipe to create and why? You no, know, I'm always partial to ice creams and bread. So... Um, why? I guess because I learned ice cream and breads overseas um, primarily. Uh, I, I did learn them in the hotels in New York City, but I can always relate to ice creams and breads uh, in Europe. And I guess that's always um, uh, a big reason as to why I, I prefer to make ice creams and breads. What's the most exciting flavor ice cream you've ever uh, made? You know, I got a, a son named Nikolai and uh, he's 23 now, but when he was probably about eight or 10, we were riding our bikes and we ran into a raspberry patch and we used his helmet as a basket and picked raspberries and went home and made raspberry gelato. And, uh, I'm actually going to the play tonight with him. And, you know, he said to me, he said, you want to go get gelato after the play? (laughs) So, you know, it's like, he'll never forget that raspberry gelato. I'll never forget that raspberry gelato. And, um, Raspberries are one of my favorite fruits, so. Sounds delicious. (laughs) Do you have any tips for aspiring cooks who find it difficult to find the local ingredients you highlight in the seasonal baker? Um, I think that everything is very obtainable in that book. I mean, there was uh, one or two exotic fruits, and by exotic, I mean seasonal, uh, maybe a persimmon, for instance, you know. I think that's the most exotic fruit in that book. Everything else I usually find in a supermarket, maybe not in season, but, you know, from South America and North America. We've become such a global empire as far as, uh, you know, products. You know, we get strawberries from Australia in the winter and, you know, vice versa. 
uh, you know, the Florida strawberries that come up here at this time of year in the winter, they're fantastic. So, you know, you can always find a fruit to work with. Um, but uh, we also give sourcing um, uh, information. So uh, anything's available uh, to, to any consumer. In terms of being a chef in the local food movement, do you think that chefs have any responsibility beyond the taste of their food? Absolutely. Um, we try to use minimal packaging. We try to, you know, I always say to my staff, if you're going to make something new, figure out how it's going to get to the consumer's house, you know. Uh, you, you can't make like a, a 12-foot cake or a 12-inch cake, I'm sorry, and, and not have a 12-inch box to put it in for somebody to take home. And then what's it going to, you know, like, we're trying to get away from all plastics. We're trying to go to craft paper instead of bleached white. Where it, It's not just how your food tastes, but how it gets home to the consumer that actually probably um, costs more for the environment, packaging, um, disposables, stuff like that. We're very conscious of that. When we do farmer's markets, I'm constantly asking, do you need a bag? You know, people just take a bag and they're like, I don't need this bag. And they just end up throwing it away. So, you know, things like that. But... Um, uh, I think that chefs can play a big part in the local scene um, like we do when we come to the farmer's markets. We always buy product that we're going to turn around and sell at the next farmer's market. So we buy from New Haven. We sell in Westport. We buy in Westport. We bring back to New Haven. You know, it's just a it's a nice cycle, and um, I think it's very important that us, the, the chefs take part of it. Great. Thank you so much. Those are all the questions I have, but thank you very, okay. very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at www.yale.edu slash sustainable food.